you are beautiful, you are so strong, you're amazing. Like Every day of life is a blank sheet of paper. More happy days in our lives. Small, small changes. You had to just be with life. To really practice mindfulness. I am not my thought. It's not easy, but it's very simple. If you put those two things together, you know, the sky is the limit. So Aaron is a creator of the revolutionary approach to yoga, applied yoga anatomy plus muscle activation, host of the yoga podcast, Stop Stretching. You have also, you are like, oh, this is not enough. You also wrote a book, which is called Autobiography of a Naked Yogi. And the forthcoming book, Stop Stretching, Eliminate Pain, Transform Your Life, Fulfill Your Life Purpose. You are also a co-owner of Blue Osa Yoga Retreat in Costa Rica. Aaron has spent 30 plus years 30 plus years studying the ancient teachings of yoga as well as modern and scientific practices that promote pain-free living on all levels of self, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. His purpose is in guiding people back home to their truest self, helping them tap into the limitless potential, eliminate their pain, and live their life's purpose. Yogi Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here, Annie. Appreciate it. Stop stretching. If people want to know more about you, they can they can dive deep into your books. They can listen to other podcasts. Let's start immediately by what? When I read like stop stretching, especially like being a certified yoga instructor, I'm not teaching it anymore. But you know, like stop stretching from a yoga teacher. I was like, is this guy, is this guy is yes. either crazy or he has he knows something I do not know. So <laughs> tell me. What is this movement of like stop stretching crazy. or what do you know that I don't know and start wherever you feel guided to start? Well, I think the first thing I want to just say is like, I'm trying to flip the script on yoga equals stretching that mm. so many times yoga teachers will stand in front of the class and I'm sure you've seen this and I'm also sure you've said this and I know that I've said this a million times. Yoga is not about stretching, but that's not true. I mean, from the perspective of the people that are saying that it's just, they're not, they're kind of not being honest and because, and I'll tell you why, because first of all, they'll go on their social media and they'll post all these pictures of them stretching and doing these quote unquote, what they think is yoga poses. And, and then, then they'll get up in front of the class and say, well, we need to open our hips to do X, Y, and Z pose. We need to open up our heart muscles so that we can go deeper into our back bends. Why? Like, you know, one of the questions that we don't ask ourselves enough is like, how much flexibility do we really need to have to be happy? Mm. <laughs> and a lot of people don't really like ask that question because we're always trying to go deeper into these poses. And that's not what yoga is about at all. And so the psychology of why I think why we are so addicted to flexibility, well, there's a few reasons, but I think it starts at the top of like, we always look at these pictures of, of these Indian men, these, you know, usually they're, they're young teenage boys, um, older teenage boys, sorry, like around 17, 18, 20 years old. They're lanky, they're sinewy, they're very different bodies than us. And of course they have different ranges of motion. You know, a, a 16, 17, 18 year old person can become very quote unquote flexible. And so we see that and we go, oh, me who has a desk job and I'm 50 years old, I'm gonna go to my yoga class and just kind of like, you know, stretch it out. And, 
and, and then end up injuring myself. And that's what started happening to me a lot is that I just started hurting myself so much. Um, in my early 30s, I started developing horrible neck pain um, where, you know, if I just sort of looked over and up a little bit, my neck would sometimes tweak and would completely seize up. And that would start to shoot pain because of nerve compression down my arm into my fingers. Well, what was the answer? To stretch it out more. So I would do all of these kind of like stretches and push down and bring my hand here and try to open it up. And, and it would always feel better in the moment. But the problem always ended up coming back. And so it wasn't until I went to a, a person who became a friend that started doing muscle activation technique massage on my neck. And that started to rehabilitate my neck and, and take away the pain. Remember when the first time I went to see him, my pain was like nine out of 10. And I had been dealing with that pain for a few weeks. The only thing that could deal, help me deal with it a little bit was like laying in bed with my head propped a certain way. But he worked on me and brought the pain down to like one out of 10. And at that moment, I was like, there's got to be something to this. And this was a long time ago. But during since I started working with him, I started learning more about muscle activation practices, and which can be done manually, like somebody doing it to you. It could also be done through different isometric contractions, shortening a muscle and holding it for a specific amount of time and doing that so many times, which is what I teach now. And I just realized there's got to be a different way to approach all of this. So when I started doing um, my muscle activation training, and even before that, I started to realize stretching is not good for you. I'm going to explain it a couple of different ways because mm -hmm. it's hard to sometimes wrap our head around it, especially for yoga teachers. And just kind of going back to one thing that I was saying is like so many yoga teachers will say it's not about stretching, but then they actually are teaching stretching. Like we have to do these poses so that we can do these other poses and blah, blah, blah. One of the poses, one of the things that you might have done to your students or that is a typical quote unquote adjustment in, in Shavasana is when somebody's lying in Shavasana, you come and pick up their legs, their feet, and you start to sway um, the feet around. So what you're doing is that person's in a relaxed state and we're lifting the feet up and, and we're passively starting to shorten certain muscles in, in a passive way. And so when you do something like that, we actually um, stop the connection between the brain and the muscle and all the muscles start to quote unquote shut down. Like if they're active before and you do something like that, you passively move them, then the brain no longer knows where the muscle is. It loses connection on a proprioception. Um, it loses its proprioception of where that muscle is. When we stretch, there's a couple of things that happen. And so like, let's do, uh, pigeon pose. So pigeon pose is a very typical pose with a lot of uh, people practicing yoga. And so what we're doing is we're starting to force all the muscles in the hips to overstretch, right? Mm -hmm. But what's even worse about pigeon pose is this contraction, this forcing muscles in the hips, in the hip flexors, i.e. your psoas, your rectus femoris a little bit, your iliacus, um, you're forcing all those muscles to shorten beyond what they can do. So an example of that is like, if I bring my hand to my shoulder, the movement that's doing that is one of the major one is the bicep. I can take my hand and push it to my shoulder. 
But now my brain is disconnected from the bicep. The bicep no longer has that force strength. So that's one thing that happens. Another thing that happens is within the muscles, you know, within the bicep muscle, there's these muscle spindles. And, um, and more specifically, like the trapezius. So, because I'm stretching the trapezius here, there's these muscle spindles. And the muscle spindles is always in communication with the brain. When the muscle spindles, like say, like feel like they need to contract, it sends a message to the brain, we need to contract. The brain sends a message to the muscle, contract, all right? So if that muscle is not talking to the brain, then it no longer can send a message to the brain like we need to contract. So the muscle loses its ability to contract and contract on demand. Those muscle spindles are like, I don't know if you have these where you are, but these like toys called slinkies. And a slinky is like a coiled up thing. You put it on the stairs and then it goes down and down and down. And kids love to play with these things. So a slinky is a coiled mechanism. It, it's designed to come together. Now, if you say, if you bring a brand new uh, slinky out of the box and you say to a child, take one end and run away, run away as far as you can, and I'm going to hold the other end, we're stretching that slinky. Do you think that that slinky is going to recoil back? No. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens to the muscle spindles in our muscles. They lose that ability to contract properly because of this kind of overstretched state. So we, we create... We create flexibility without stability. There's no stability in that range of motion, in that extended range of motion uh, that you've now created. There's no, um, there's no stability. There's no accountability. And so when you need those muscles to work properly, they no longer are working properly. And so as I was talking about my neck pain, like so much of my neck problems came from like stretching, quote unquote, the muscles in my upper back. The neck pain also came from my trapezius muscles not working properly. And so they're not supporting my shoulder girdle, which then supports my head. And then, you know, doing poses like shoulder stand and plow pose and all of those kind of poses started to overstretch my neck. And I just created problems. And the answer was always stretching, but the problem never got resolved. <laughs> wow. I could never do a pigeon pose because it was just intuitively felt for my body uncomfortable i never enjoyed it and doing the upward facing dog always or um anything that i was like doing over stretching my lower back would always bring pain to my back pain to my lower back so i stopped doing it maybe just i might do once a week and i i was like oh maybe i'm not flexible enough maybe it's just my lower back is not as strong as other people so but I also listen to my body and now you think all of that just makes complete sense. So if stretching is damaging our body and damaging might be a big word that I'm using, but if stretching might not be as healthy for our bodies as we thought it is, what's the, what is uh, the alternative? Uh, what should we do? Should we just stretch, but not overstretch? What is the solution basically? Yeah. So I want to just respond to this pain you have in your lower back first, that, that a lot of that problem is because those muscles in the lower back are weak. They're not contracting properly. They're not shortening properly. So, you know, part of, and, and I'm going to answer your question. I'm just kind of, of going course. at it mm -hmm. a different way. So sure, you, because sure, yes. you brought up your lower back and in your lower back is, so when you come into up dog, you probably feel pain there because those muscles are in the lower back are not shortening. And so if they're not shortening properly, <clears throat> They're not stabilizing the joints of the vertebrae. Muscles have two jobs. They move bones 
and they stabilize joints. Now we have joints all over our body. We have joints in our elbows, our wrists, our shoulders is a major joint, the hips, okay? So all these muscles, if they're not working properly, they start to um, not work and they, not, they don't stabilize the joints. And um, so what we wanna do is make sure those muscles are able to contract and contract on demand. And if they're contracting properly, those joints are stabilized. Another huge, um, another major set of joints is our back, our, our spine, you know, all the vertebrae, right? And so you're like coming into up dog and you're feeling this pain. And a lot of people sometimes call it crunching. You know, sometimes you hear people say, I feel like a crunching in my lower back. Mm. Well, that crunching is for a few reasons. One of them is because those, those muscles are not working. So why aren't they working? And from a yogic perspective, I mean, I'm saying like a, a, a Western yogic perspective, you know, teachers always say, well, then you need to stretch more. You know, we need to go into that forward bend. We need to go into child's pose, which is the absolute wrong thing to do. The absolute right thing to do or correct thing to do is to get those muscles working, get those muscles, develop those muscles ability to contract and contract on demand. You know, we don't ask in yoga enough. Why are muscles tight to begin with? You know, we always come up with this kind of pseudoscience idea of why muscles are tight. I had a traumatic childhood. You know, I don't feel loved. I don't feel confident. So my, my body's protecting itself. Well, you are right about that. Your body is protecting itself. It's protecting itself because your muscular system isn't working to begin with. So like when you go, you know, um, I'm sure it's cold. It gets very cold where you are. And that, you know, that day when it's really cold, the first day of, of fall or winter, when it's really cold, you step outside and there's some ice, you know, and you step on that ice a little bit. And what does your body do? It tightens up. Yeah. So the body tightens up as a protective mechanism because it senses instability. It doesn't feel stable. So we, what we need to do is like, like for example, hamstrings. Hamstrings are muscles that are tight on so many people, but why are they tight? Well, they're tightening up because the brain is sending the, the muscle a message. Tighten up, tighten up, tighten up. Why? Because the brain senses instability. It doesn't feel like the body has stability. So what it does is it just tells all the muscles to tighten up. What we need to do to address the hamstrings is start to actually look at, well, what are the reciprocal muscles? The reciprocal muscles with hamstrings are the thighs. Um, the thigh muscles, the rectus femoris and the vastus um, muscles. And so once we get those muscles, develop those muscles, the thigh muscles, the ability to contract properly, gets what? The hamstrings completely uh, loosen up. I actually have about three videos on my channel right now, uh, my YouTube channel that you can find on Yogi Aaron, where I actually address like the hamstrings and people do it and the range of motion improves like dramatically, but they also have stability in that range of motion. So when we're looking at it from an Ayama perspective, when we want to go into a pose, for example, a forward fold. So people are obsessed with forward folds. They want to touch their toes. It's got nothing to do with stretching the back. What we're looking to do is asking ourselves the question, what muscles are need to shorten? If we're coming into a forward fold, what muscles need to shorten? Well, all the muscles in the front here, these muscles have to contract better than the muscles in the front of the legs. I had a woman, in my teacher training uh, last April when I was, and I interviewed her for my podcast, Stop Stretching. And um, I asked her like, what's your number one goal in yoga? And I could not believe her answer. She said, I want to touch my toes. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, like you're doing yoga to, to, you know, find out your life purpose and your number one goal is like touching your toes. It's insane. Like people's priorities. So, um, so I said, okay, her name was Mary. And I said, Mary, come up. And I have her on the table. And all I did was three muscle activation practices, muscle activation practice. Each practice takes around 45 seconds to a minute. So spending three minutes doing these muscle activations. And not only was she able to touch her toes, but she was actually able to reach past her toes. So I had her like on her sitting on the, on the table and then reaching for her toes, like, you know, her fingertips, not actually grabbing them. She couldn't, she couldn't get, she got like six inches in front of her toes. But then after that, I did the muscle activation. She was able to get six inches past her toes. She was able to get 12 inches of range of motion by just mm. activating the abdominal muscles and the thighs. So we want to improve those muscles ability to contract properly. And mm. that's kind of like what we, how we flip the script. It's no longer about how do we lengthen the hamstring? It's about how do we get the quads to shorten properly? And once they start to shorten properly, not only do you have more range of motion, you have mobility with stability. So you don't have to deal with like neck problems or hips going out or backs going out afterwards. Mm. So when you say that in my example, um, I need to make my back muscles more strong. How can I personally, because I'm pretty sure there are people listening who are like, oh, I have similar problems. Is it like lifting more weights and make it yeah. stronger or that's the way, yes? To just lift the weights, make just work, work the back muscles. Yeah. So when we're talking about muscle strength, we're not talking about how much weight you can lift. So most bodybuilders, and I'm going to take the stereotypical guy who, you know, walks around and can't straighten his arms and, you know, his, his shoulders usually come forward a bit. And so, you know, that's like when the muscle starts to get like in this tonic state that, that they've just become static in a certain range of motion that they no longer have much range of motion. And part of that problem is that the brain actually has become disconnected from those muscles. He, it's hard for that person to have um, uh, muscles that are actually working properly. And so the wrong thing to do is to stretch. The right thing to do would be to start developing those muscles ability to contract and contract on demand and reestablish the connection between the brain and the muscles. So we're not talking about, we talk about muscle strength from this perspective. Okay. It's like this perspective We're we're talking about the, the muscle's ability to connect with the brain. And, and once it does that, it can contract and contract on demand. So in order to do that, all we need to do is create different isometric practices, which I outline in my book extensively, um, addressing like the different body uh, um, parts and different ranges of motion, different movements, and working on giving exercises that people can start to use to develop that. So coming back to your back muscles, like I promise, pretty much promise, that if you did some preparation first and did up dog, you would actually have a very different experience. So like, for example, with, with your back, the number, and this is by the way, the number one yoga pose. I say, if like, if people want to stay young forever, you have to do this muscle activation practice, which is actually very much a yoga pose. And in Sanskrit, we call it Shalabhasana. In English, sometimes people call it locust pose or Superman pose. So it's when you come onto your stomach, your arms are down beside you and you just lift your chest and legs up as high as you can. And that's to isolate all the muscles in the lower back. And so what we're doing is we're starting to improve 
Well, we're getting them to contract. And so it, they, that contraction sends a muscle or sends a message to the brain. Hey, we're here, we're contracting. And the brain goes, oh, there's muscles there contracting. And so it starts to connect to those muscles. So when you, mm. if you do that a few times in the, in the prescription for muscle activation is six times or sorry, six seconds for six times. So six, six, you hold it for six seconds and then you do it six times. And if you go into up dog, now you're going into up dog with stability. The brain goes, oh, there's a muscle there. We need to contract this muscle. It needs to shorten and it starts to shorten and you have stability as you come into um, up dog. So I, I invite you to try that sometime. Mm -hmm. Do it as an experiment. Go into up dog and just see how you feel. And then mm -hmm. do Shalabhasana six seconds, six times, and then mm -hmm. do up dog again and see how you feel. And mm -hmm. sometimes you'll notice, yeah, I can go into up dog deeper, but more than anything, you'll start to go, oh, I do feel stable here. Like I can feel that stability um, in my back because those muscles are, are contracting properly. So mm -hmm. the, what I do in my yoga classes is weave um, a lot of these different muscle activations into the practices. Sometimes they look like yoga poses sometimes not, but the intention is always to start developing or reinforcing that mind, literally the brain to muscle uh, connection. So you can think about it, you know, like a telephone wire, there's a telephone wire between the brain and the muscle. And for many people that telephone wire has been, you know, damaged, damaged due to stress, trauma and overuse. And so what we're trying to do and what I'm trying to teach teachers to do is to teach classes so that that telephone line gets reestablished between the brain and the muscle. And once that starts to happen, you have more stability. When you have more stability, there's less stress and trauma in the muscle tissue, and there's less inflammation. And the inflammation is what leads to pain. So sometimes we can turn the pain process around almost immediately. If people are listening to us right now, and they are finding all the problems, I'm doing quotation marks if people are listening, and they're like, oh, but my yoga teacher does, doesn't have the knowledge that Aaron has it. What if, for example, some people have knee pain when they are doing lunges, some people's hips click. What is the first step they can take um, when they find out that they are doing the stretching, they are um, bringing more damage to their bodies in a way by themselves? Is there any, just stop stretching, just uh, find the yoga teacher who can guide them? What's the first step they can guide themselves by? So first and foremost, stop practicing child's pose. Even if you take a class and the teacher is doing child's pose, come onto your back and just rest in Shavasana or something like that. Or, or my favorite pose alternative for child's pose is like Makrasana, which is crocodile pose. You just come on, lie onto your stomach and you put your hands together and you put your hands underneath your forehead. And so you just lay there and it's such a great pose. It actually improves breathing, diaphragmatic breathing, which is what we want to actually do in yoga. Stop practicing child's pose. Number two, stop having your teacher come and adjust you. Tell your teacher, if your teacher wants to give you adjustments, say, I only want to have verbal cues. So stop touching me. Most 99.9999999999% of yoga teachers have no clue about yoga anatomy. They have no clue about the body. That's not a judgment. It's just a fact. I'm laughing because it's funny because that so many yoga teachers think that they know about the body. If you ask most yoga teachers, name me three muscles that connect to the hip bones. The teachers probably couldn't even come up with one muscle. That's also why I created... Um, my book, Stop Stretching a New Yogic Approach to Master Your Body and Live Pain-Free, 
because I wanted yoga teachers to have a real tool that they could start to use. My book is an introduction into some yoga anatomy. And there's a lot of yoga anatomy books out there, but they're really poorly, they're very, they're not written well. And mm. they're kind of like, here's the muscle. Well, so what? Like, so what? What is the muscle actually doing? And that's the problem in the yoga world, even the fitness world, um, is that we don't learn muscle function. Like, what is the muscle actually doing? And once we start to understand what muscles are actually doing, we can start to be better informed about how we want to prepare for certain yoga poses. Um, how do we start to bring that uh, knowledge into our yoga classes? So number one, stop doing child's pose. Number two, stop, you know, asking, tell your teacher, don't adjust you because adjustments are the worst. Um, I'm just, teachers do not know how to move people's bodies. And number three, um, get my book. <laughs> and, <laughs> I would encourage then, people to do that. Number four, um, go to my YouTube channel, start doing the yoga classes, start teaching yourself this information. And I've created enough tools for people to start getting a little bit of information and start being able to apply that information. And then if they feel motivated, they come in and study with me or bring mm -hmm. me to wherever they are in the world and, and have their yoga studio um, have a workshop with me. But that's, I mean, that's where we start is with those things. Stop practicing child's pose. Stop um, to having your teacher uh, adjust you. Get my book. Start doing the um, my YouTube channel, all of the classes, because I teach a lot in those classes. And once you start to understand how strong you feel in your body and you want to maintain that strength and you'll very quickly realize like every time I stretch, I'm going to lose that strength. That strength disappears um, like that. It's very remarkable about how quickly it disappears. Wow. I'm get, I got so many new information. It just like, you know how you get the realization, like some kind of spiritual awakening and you get this energy rush in your body. You are like expanding. Your whole being is expanding. That's how I feel almost because I'm getting so much new information. It's like, and it makes sense. Whatever you are saying, it just makes complete sense. Where can people find your book? Because you just mentioned your book and, and I know it's on Amazon. Also, are there any other places that they can find your book? No, right now it's only sold through Amazon um, at this time. Mm -hmm. They can either go to Amazon and search Stop Stretching. Um, they can also go on Spotify and find my podcast, Stop Stretching, um, or Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and my podcast isn't like a regular podcast. It's more like an eight-part series. So right now we just released episode seven, um, and then episode eight will come out in January. And so it's just it's, – it's a very tight series. I wanted to create something that people could kind of quote-unquote binge and mm -hmm. um, – uh, their time but the best place to go as well as my website yogiaron.com uh, but you know i wanted just to say like i that's part of what i want to really kind of change again the script in the yoga world is that i believe that yoga the promise of yoga is that we become better human beings in our hearts and through our actions and um we become better human beings so that we can start to fulfill life's purpose and mm -hmm. in, there's a couple of things that have to happen one is that we need to have stability in the body. And when we don't have stability, we usually have pain. And so a lot of people are doing like a lot of yoga practices and they're not really becoming pain-free. They're actually becoming more unstable, which has an effect on the mind. And just at a very fundamental level, if all my life force energy is going to try to manage my pain, like when I had my neck pain 
um, and knee pain and lower back pain and every other pain, all my energy, my life force energy goes into managing uh, that pain. And we don't really ever deal with the cause of it. And so my goal is for people to feel more stable, more strong and more solid in their body so that they, that way they can go and live a better, happier life, whatever that is mm. for them. <laughs> you are so right. I love how you said when there's a disbalance in your body, the whole energy of your body for, of your being goes into to that pain rather than just when we are balanced, you can just use that energy to create something bigger than yourself, to start a podcast, to write a book, anything that you can even imagine. Imagine like go back to 30 years when you started. And if I asked you the question, what does yoga mean to you? What would have been your answer versus if I ask you now, what does yoga mean to you? How has the meaning of yoga has changed for you then and now? I got into yoga because I wanted to become more flexible. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, I, I mean, I saw, you know, all these people in doing yoga and having this kind of range of motion. And I'm like, <clears throat> and that's the problem. Like so many of us believe in our heart that yoga equals stretching and stretching equals being, staying youthful and healthy. And, and so that's not true. And um, yoga or not yoga, but stretching leads always to more problems in the long run. When I, but when I started to realize at a very young age, when I first started doing yoga, I suffer from ADD, attention deficit disorder. So I can get distracted very easily. And it was a lot worse when I was younger, but yoga was one of the few things that could harness my energy, my concentration and get me to focus. And I started to, over the years, realize like that, that has been a big thing. And now how it's changed, I think it hasn't really changed as much as I'm starting to become more and more aware of what the potential of yoga can be for myself and in the world. Um, and, and that excites me. That makes me excited because what we're really doing at a fundamental level is awakening consciousness within us. All of us have that spark of consciousness and that spark is usually dimmed in most people um, because of so many things. One of them is confusion. There's so much confusion uh, in the world. People are confused. They live confused lives. They're confused about everything in their life. And because of that confusion, we have a lot of beliefs about the world. We have a lot of beliefs about each other. We, and through those beliefs, we develop a lot of judgments and opinions, which then adds to more confusion. What I see mm -hmm. continuously is that if people practice yoga, that confusion lifts. And once that confusion lifts, that inner knowingness, that we become complete through that inner knowingness, we know who we are at a heart level. And when we know ourselves, we become completely at rest within ourselves. You know, it's like, all of my judgments and beliefs and my opinions about that person and that political system and whatever, all of that disappears. And I, I, I can, I see the life differently when I become completely at rest within myself, I just see life differently and the potential of who I can be in this world differently. Um, that's my real goal as a teacher. I love that. Is to give people that opportunity to be completely at rest within themselves. Mm. 
I love your answer. And I also love how so many times I had a question and you just answered the question without me even asking you. That's what I was planning to ask you. Like, what are your goals for the future? And you were answering even before, like there have been like four or five times when I have the question and you are just intuitively <laughs> answering my questions. I'm like, I don't even need to ask the questions. Before I ask you my last one, which is um, to leave me and the listeners with a message, which we will get to. Is there anything before we finish the conversation that you really wanted to talk about or you just got an idea to talk about and I just didn't get the chance to ask you the question? I mean, I could say so many things. Um, yes. I would just say <laughs> to, <laughs> I could just say, take eight minutes, eight to 10 minutes a day for yourself at least. And whether it's to breathe, to do some muscle activation practices, it's just so, it'll change your life in a very profound way and, and be inquisitive about your body. So many of us are not inquisitive, you know, about our body, be inquisitive about your body, try to understand yourself. And the more we understand ourselves, you know, not each other, but ourselves, we will begin to understand each other a lot better. I believe that in my heart. Amen. If you have to say one sentence or one word, and to leave us with a message that is in your heart right now, what would it be? With, what's in my heart these days, and it's been for a little while, is asking people to listen to each other. There's, you know, in Stephen Covey's habits of, seven habits of highly effective people, you know, one of the things that he says is seek first to understand. And we don't do that enough. You know, we, we just, we, we live life ruled by our judgments, beliefs, and opinions about the world, that we forget to ask people their story and try to understand their story. And, and it's, a, it's a hard practice to do because we feel sometimes that our, our ego, our sense of self is becoming diminished, but it's so important, especially I think now more than ever in this time of the world, because we're so global too, that we need to just really listen to each other. So take time to ask people their stories and increase our capacity for compassion and empathy. I think that mm -hmm. if we really listen to people's stories, we will become more compassionate. If we're becoming more compassionate, we become more loving. If we love each other, we don't want to fight each other. So the key, the first step is just listening and, and through listening, increase your ability to be compassionate. Yogi yeah. Aaron. Yeah. If we keep talking, there is, I can never stop ask, to ask you the questions and you have so many informations which you gathered throughout <laughs> the 30 years. We will be here for days, if not weeks. But I think we just gave people a good introduction <laughs> to who you are, um, to your books and your YouTube channel, which I loved. And I watched like a few videos today and I was like, oh my God, I had to go. But I was like, oh my God, I want to keep watching because there's so many new information and the way you explain and the quality of the videos are amazing and audio is so good and it's so peaceful and calming. I loved it. So I highly recommend people to check out your book, not only check out, buy the book. Also, if you are, you think that this is going to be helpful for your friends, for your family members, spread the word, share it with them. You never know the book you share with someone else might change their whole life. So share it to the people you love, check out his YouTube channel, ask him questions, send him emails. The information will be down in the description box. I'm pretty sure he's eager to help you. And Aaron, thank you so much for being my guest, for your energy, for all the 30 years that you have put into yourself. So you can now sit here and guide us out of the pain, basically, 
and thank you for being revolutionary. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for listening. So have a phenomenal rest of the day or night, wherever you are. And until next time.